Bum Podcast. Bum Podcast. Between you and me. Between you and me. So we're back again. Did you have something to say? I'm I, not really. I was just gonna talk about what we're finna do, but I mean, if you want to go ahead I'll and roll say it before we started, I just deleted my list. You deleted your list. Yeah, I'm trying to get it back. You scared? No, I'm not scared. Oh, okay. All right, Bum Podcast. Bum Podcast. <laughs> um, so today we're doing something a little different. Um. Somewhat different, yeah. So I mean, yeah, somewhat different. A lot of times we have, a lot of times we, <laughs> I just got a message. Oh, a lot of times we have, uh, we take input for the, the things we talk about. Like to get input, right? Um, but today we wanted to take the time to actually do an official Q and A, uh, question and answers. So we opened up, what, about two weeks ago? Yeah, about, week about ago? two weeks ago. About two weeks ago. Um, just to allow people to come in and. Send us questions that they had about anything, really. Random stuff. Whether it was us, about life, just stuff in general. We got a bunch of random questions. Um, yeah. So we're just going to go through uh, the questions that we've compiled from it. And it might end up being a two-parter. Yeah, it might be because we've we got quite a few. We're just letting it flow organically. We haven't really looked at them too much or anything. So, um, You ready to get into it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hold up. I'm not ready to get into it. I deleted my list. You, you ain't got your list back yet? No, it didn't come back. It's right. cool. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to ask you the first question. How about that? All right. And I'll pull up my. I, and I can, I, can, I can send you the list in the process. I mean, I, I got it. All right, cool. All right. But you can go ahead. So the first question on the list is What are your thoughts on serving in the military? What are your thoughts on serving in the military? <laughs> I'm answering that. Um, I think it's a good thing. It, I mean, what exactly is it asking? I don't know. Like per person, or I think it's a good thing if it's a thing for you. Okay, I think it's an honorable thing to do. Um, I know that not everybody necessarily ends up in the military just because they wanted to. They do a lot of offerings of. Of certain things of like paying tuition. Okay, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Okay. Incentives. Right. Yes. Incentives. Yeah. Okay. And I think their um their incentives can be a little misleading sometimes from what I've heard. But I mean, if that's something that you want to do or something that you think is necessary, of course, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with serving the country. All right. Cool. So, so I'm gonna give you my, my, my answer. On what's that. your answer? My sir? answer. What are my thoughts on serving in the military? I you actually hit it off um in the beginning. I mean it, serving in the military is not for everybody. Right. Um, and I know that for me, for a fact, and I mean, I'll just, I'll share a quick story of my life. And I've mentioned it on some of the podcasts before, at least a part of it. I was in ROTC for three and a half years while I was in high school mm -hmm. and it was horrendous. I mean, like just horrendous. <laughs> it was no other word for it. All, you just ain't built that type of way. I ain't built that type of way, man. All my, all my friends, all my classmates, they were making it to the officer ranks. And I think I was still an airman basic when I, um, <laughs> when I, when I graduated from high school. Uh, it just wasn't my thing. You can't follow instructions. I can't follow instructions, man. And and um, then I went to college, and, of course, I didn't even think about it. And then one day, Ezel, easy Ezel. I don't even know what Ezel is now, man, but Ezel was talking to me one day, and Ezel hooked me on going and joining the National Guard. Man, and because and, it's funny, because I was in delayed entry, actually. I was in the delay, Navy delayed entry when I before I graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was queued up to go in the military, even though I realized that it really wasn't my suit. But, I mean, leaving my hometown... Um, was important, you know, right. getting out and, and experiencing life. And so it just so happened I actually ended up getting a scholarship to go out to college. And so, um, but Ezel talked me into going and joining the National Guard. And so he went with me down to the National Guard office and 
I joined the National Guard, and uh, that was a debacle too, man. I, you know, I, I did it for a minute. I did it for a minute. I, I didn't get a dishonorable discharge. Um, I got a, I got a, I got a discharge after a few years, but um, it wasn't dishonorable. But it, it really did help me to see that the military just wasn't my cup of tea. So I, mm. I realized that the military is not for everybody. It's, a, it's an honorable thing to do, but it's just not everybody's cup of, cup of tea. Don't so. do it if you ain't for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, second one is, what is the best thing about being a parent? So that's for you. Yeah, because you can't answer that one. What is the best thing about being a parent? And you know what? Honestly, so when you're grinding, like when you're going through the motions, I, I, I guess the best thing about being a parent is when your child is asleep. Mm. Right. And that's funny. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I'm saying it from the perspective of when your child is asleep, you know, your child is safe. Your child has made it through the nah, day. I don't try to make this something No, different. for real. That's what I was thinking. Like when, you know, uh-huh. like, you know, your child is fed, your child, you know, your child has been. It's like a state of content. Right. It's like a state of contentment. So like, that's like the best thing about being a parent is like just seeing that, seeing that, that it's finished and, 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 and everything's okay. Um, I will tell you about now being the best thing about being a parent. Right now, the best thing about being a parent is probably what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. because and it's still a state of contentment because it's like you know you've gone through the day or you've gone through twenty years of your life, and now I'm able to sit back and just kind of marvel at what what yeah. what it looks like. Speaking you know of sitting back, you should probably pull back a little bit. Well, whatever, man. So except yeah, when you do stuff like that, that sounds dope. So yeah, you know. So that's the best thing about being a parent, just being able to to to, to look over your child. And say, man, everything's all right with my child. I'm proud. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what are the simplest ways to invest? You want to talk about that? All right. You've been looking at all your stuff recently. Yeah, I've been looking at my stuff recently. I, so so investments is an interesting task. So so um, conventional wisdom will say that you don't invest until you save, right? And so mm-hmm. you need to have at least three months of savings. Uh, or can cover at least three months of your um, expenses before you invest. So don't I'll say that up any front. money you can't huh? afford to have. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Don't you put. Can't afford, can't afford not to, to have. Have. And, and You can't afford not to have. So I'm gonna put that disclaimer out there first. That's that's conventional wisdom. There, three to six months actually is what they ask. But it, for me, if you're looking at investing, especially for young people like yourself, um, I say look where you spend your money at. Right, look where you spend your money at, um, and and that's where you invest. Like say for instance, if you if you're a big shoe buff, you know. I know people sneakerheads, they run and they pay $250 for a pair of, of Jordans when they hit. My thing is, instead of buying a pair of Jordans, take that $250 and buy two shares of Nike stock, mm-hmm. right? Because here's the, fun, the interesting thing about Nike stock. You know it's not going to drop. And I actually just sold some Nike stock. But it's not going to drop because you continue to buy Jordans. Right. Um, and they pay dividends. And so you make a little money on it. And so you'll always own a piece of the company and not just the product that they sell. And so if you're a McDonald's person, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd say buy some McDonald's stock. And I'm not saying go out and spend a whole lot of money. But if you think about what one splurge purchase would be for yourself as a college student, take that one splurge purchase and instead of splurging on it, take that money and buy some stock. And they got a bunch of, a bunch of different places out there. You can, I mean, Robin like Hood or whatever. Yeah, that. apps that you can you can utilize to buy those stocks. But that, that would be the easiest thing, I think. Like, don't hurt yourself. But if you got a splurge purchase that you typically do, just take that money from that splurge purchase and buy some stock. And then I would say when it comes to like deciding what you're going to invest in, mm-hmm. um, something that I, well, I saw this in an interview. Uh, I think it was a Kevin Hart interview. But he was just talking about what do you use daily or what do you think mm-hmm. somebody would need to use or what do you think is going to impact people? That's what you look at for investment. Like I know my investment is going to pay off because I know that people need this. It's actually right. – Fills a service. Right, right. Um, so that, I would think, 
that's what I would think about when it comes to looking at things. Right. And then seeing what is not so expensive now, but you see a potential Put for them in the potential future. Potential for growth. Potential for growth. And that's how you find that um that growth pattern. So All right. So I'm gonna hit you with the next one. All right. All right. How important is religion to you? Um so my first answer, like my first thought was not very important, but from the perspective of I think it's religion versus relationship. I right, think the relationship right. is important. Yeah, I too think, smart for that. Well, go ahead. You think I'm too smart for what? For, for the question, because I, I, that's where I would have went. Yeah. And then when I asked you, I was like, I know that's where he's going to go. But go ahead. Because I'm like, all of the, um, how do I want to word this? Like, I guess the word that comes to mind is like formalities. Mm-hmm. But all of these, um, the things that are set in place and structural things aren't as important as you actually having that relationship. Okay. Um, so I think the relationship comes first and foremost. So I wouldn't say the whole religion side is as important as, okay. as so, that to me. I, and I don't know. I, I mean, this is a question that came around. I mean, so I'm, let me let me let me sweep it up a little bit. So um, and, and I agree. I agree with you 100. Mm-hmm. percent I don't want the listeners to think that you like religion um, as a as a as a Doctrine is what you're talking about. It's that whole religion versus spirituality. It's about mm-hmm. the relationship with the God and not just um, being structured around a doctrine. And so I have to agree with you on that part. I mean, that that whole relationship piece, because relationship drives your interaction with your spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, religion doesn't. Religion tells you pretty much to do something because somebody told you to do it. Right. And so um, from, that, from that perspective, I say I agree with you. Um, but if you're just talking about religion as a block that includes spirituality, relationship, and all, um, I think that it is very important um, to have that Because you can be religious and not really have a relationship. You can. You really, and are, um, well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But that relationship is important. All right. So what is your five-year plan, 10-year plan? I hate these kind of questions. I know you do. But they're important. Uh, I can see that. I'll let you answer first. Well, I don't need a five-year plan. I'm 50. <laughs> you plan on being here in five years? Man, look, so I, I well, see, mine's going to be different, right? Because, see, I had a five-year plan. I had a five-year plan. Um, And and my five-year plan has recently changed. And Mine's it's, changing, too, so yeah, that's why it's hard for me. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I had a plan. I mean, I'm right now, um, especially with, with, with um, the nonprofit and doing that um, and really growing that, I mean, that's in my five-year plan. That's going right. to always be in my plan to um, make sure that we reach as many youth and young adults as possible. Um, I brought on somebody that really is focusing on growth as far as um, job placement and stuff is concerned. And so um, just making sure that we kind of help walk um, youth and young adults from, you know, that whole middle school all the way up to their their careers. That's in my five-year plan. And so um, from that perspective, it, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking on that. More job placement for, for interns and, and, and for youth that we engage, engage with, more coaching and things of that nature. Uh, on a personal note, um, our five-year plan included moving moving to St. Thomas, moving mm-hmm. to the islands. And so that's kind of the thing that's changing now based upon some other dynamics that's happening um, with, 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 our, you know, with our family. And so um, I just think for, for if I look at it from a familial standpoint, my next five, my five-year plan is becoming more nucleus and extended family oriented mm-hmm. than I am now. And and not not that I'm I'm this whole out of out of touch person, but I left home at 18. Right. And um I left the South at around 21. 
mm-hmm. and I haven't really been back down south um, to live. And so um, just getting closer to family and, and making sure that I'm the son that God created me to be for my parents um, because they're getting up there in age. I think that's where I am now for my five-year plan. Mm-hmm. And I'll say for me, I'm getting into that difficult place, that transition period. Yes, sir. Um, transitioning because I'm graduating. I'm a junior now, so junior. I'm graduating next year. Um, and a lot of that has been impacted by the pandemic mm-hmm. and what pursuing a career looks like, uh, in all honesty. Um, I would say the biggest, like what's been shifting for me recently is where I want to be at, um, like physical location wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at moving to a big city after I graduate. Um, Bigger than DC? Yeah. That's a joke, man. Yeah. Go ahead. We're rolling. Um, so yeah, so graduating with my degree, um, moving out to city, making connections, already um, working out internships. Uh, I want to do a larger internship so I can start building uh, like, um, what's the word? Really a relationship with a company. Mm-hmm. Um, with a bigger company than um, studios I've worked with in the past. That's a plug, man. If anybody out there know where it's an internship for a studio for T, then he's looking for one. But yeah, I want to start really becoming ingrained in my field. And so that's what the next five years is looking like for me. Okay. Um, Yeah, and trying all that out could take a minute. That's a flood, man. Yeah, we're going to talk. We'll talk about that one later. Um, All right. So this one says, um, this person says that their children. 27, 24, and 18, um, but they guess that um, based on things they would like to have known, all right, he want, these questions are best on, based on things they would like to have known. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do drugs? Man. I that's an interesting question because I've never asked you that. You yeah, never asked you, me that I, No, I never asked you that, and you never asked me that. And so, so we skip it. <laughs> 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 um. That's an interesting question, man. That might get me in some trouble. I was like, I'll, I'll let you answer first. I, no, so, 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 um, uh, yeah, I did, I did. As a matter of fact, I tell people it's interesting enough. I mean, alcohol is a drug. I, I, I tell people I used to be a functional alcoholic. Mm-hmm. There was a period in my life where um, alcohol was my drug of choice. Um, I've been sober now. Oh my God, since oh probably twenty. 24, 25 years, twenty five, at least twenty five years. I've been sober now, um, mm-hmm. without you know drinking. And so, but there was a point in time um, at the, at probably probably my college years, the, the end of my college years, the first two years of my professional life that I, I was, um, I, I'll tell you, I was uh, alcoholic. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> I own that. I drank mm-hmm. enough to be alcoholic for real. Um, at some points, it got well. I won't even go there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, have I tried marijuana? Yes, I have tried marijuana. I ain't never oh, told you that. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, yeah, I, you know, and it, it, yes, I have. I have. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a huge part of my life. It wasn't a huge part of my life at all. But I ran in a circle with people who did, um, several circles with people who did. Uh, as, I, as I watched them, and so when I, when, I, even when I talk to you about drugs and I talk to you about people on drugs and, I, and the way I sound, mm-hmm. it's, it comes from experience. Mm-hmm. Because I, most of the people that I, I, I was in the circle with that did that, they elevated from marijuana into another drug. And it just so happens I had just enough sense in me to know that that wasn't my next step. Right. And so that's the kind of thing that kind of pushed me back from marijuana was understanding that there was a next, a next level to it, mm-hmm. and most people were going to that next level, and I wasn't willing to. All right. Well, I'll answer. Yes. So me personally, I have not. Mm. 
Uh, it's funny because I just talked to, when was this? This might have been last night. I was talking to a friend. He asked me if, I, um, if I've ever been drunk before. And like, I've never even had alcohol before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because it's never, re- I've never really had that desire. Yeah. It's never, I would say a lot of it probably comes based on how I was raised as well. Right. Because right. that was never something that I saw as just a natural part of life. Um, because it's interesting. I had a conversation with someone and we were just talking about drinking and all of that. And they were basically talking from the perspective or the standpoint of, well, I mean, I'm going to drink at some point. I'm not, I'm not going to go through life not drinking at all. And it was just interesting to me because that was a moment where I realized this is a kind of a part of the norm for people, mm-hmm. for um, certain people. It's like, that's what they just see that as a part of life. Whereas for me, I never really just saw that as a part of life. And so I've never, really grown a desire to do that type of thing. Um, so I'm going I'm to I'm piggyback on that because I think this is a very important because we, we actually have never had this conversation. Right. Um, so, and I think I think the way your, your mother and I kind of raised you was to think that way because mm-hmm. honestly, um, it's it's a, a drug is a dependent, a, a dependent animal. I call mm-hmm. it a dependent animal. And so when we talk to you, we talk to you about not being dependent upon things, um, alcohol, drugs, anything, uh, Caffeine, you know, I'm not being dependent. And, and we try to raise you to understand that um, fun or um, whatever happens outside of that. You right. know what I'm saying? And so a lot of people, I think, or at least people I knew I grew up with, they learned that alcohol or they felt like alcohol was the thing that, was that brought the, the fun. fun. You right. know what I'm saying? And so because I had that experience in my raising you, you've never seen me drink, never seen me do anything like that. And so I've always raised you to understand that. You can have fun with that. You can have fun with that. As a matter of fact, it's interesting enough, um, when we used to always go to functions, we'd yeah. always have, I mean, not always, but our friends would drink, but your mom and I, we'd be drinking out of the kitty, out of the kitty cooler. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, even as a model to you that you can sit in these environments and you can have just as much fun as everybody else is having right. without putting yourself under the influence, so. Yes. Yeah. Moving right along, because we got a whole bunch of questions. I know, man. Things. We ain't even close. Yeah. All right, so this next one is, when do I know she is the right one? When do you know she's the right one? That's a good question. I feel like that's more so for you, but oh. I also have an answer. Okay, well, I want you to give me your answer first. Um, I have, I'll say I have an answer light. Okay. You know, kind of. Okay. Because uh, I can't speak from personal experience. But interesting enough, interestingly enough, I was watching a show today. Okay. Uh, earlier that I was streaming. I'm not going to say what the show is, but I was watching the show. No plugs. No plugs. All right. Until we get paid. I ain't got paid yet. That's so. right. You're right. Um, but in the the um, the show, they were just sitting together, and the chick just like looked over at him, and she said, you know, it's not like this with other people. So basically, like, she was speaking from the perspective of they've had relationships outside of each other, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when they've come together, it's just not Different. like this yeah. with other people. Yeah. So yeah. I would say when it comes to knowing, like, that person that is the one, whether it's a her, whether it's a him, whatever, it's, I would think it comes with the perspective of this isn't like other things that I've experienced. Right, right. Um. This works differently. I feel different because I think love is a common theme in, throughout life. Because when you kind of think about it, we're born to love. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like you can have love and different kinds of love for a whole bunch of people. A whole bunch of people. 
So, um, yeah. But I feel like when it comes to knowing is this the person, it'll be different. You'll feel this is different than how it is with other people. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to agree with you. You can probably speak from a more yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a, guess, I'm not I'm, logistical, but like. <laughs> So 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 here's the funny thing. So so I I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I think about to my relationship, and I tell people like my wife. Um, God brought my wife to me because he knew I was gonna be too stupid to to, to choose on my own. Right. That's, I tell people that all the time. Um, I met my wife uh, in high school, um, freshman year. Uh, it's funny. I talk about how I was in ROTC for three and a half years. Well, the one one semester that I was not in ROTC, I took PE. And in that PE class is where I met my wife. So I mean, like I said, God just orchestrated my steps from that perspective. But um, I don't even know what made me think that she was the one because she was so different from anybody else that um, that I would I, it, it, it would it would not have been what, who I thought I would have chosen. Right. It was just something about her, and it's not even about I don't even know if it was about even about our interaction mm-hmm. because she treated me bad. I want her to know that <laughs> she treated me bad. Like uh-huh. she. I mean, which two which sides is, of that story? Yeah, well, no, she'll tell you she treated me bad, but it, but that's probably that. Well, yeah, I treated her bad too. Yeah, but not, but not, to, <laughs> not from the same perspective. I used to pick on her. I did, but um, and I don't know. It was, it was. I don't know if it was. They talk about Aristotle and the split apart when you just get together and it's just meant to be. Um, I, again, I don't know that it was anything that was cognizant in me mm-hmm. that said that's the one, right. which is wh- wh- why I really want to um caution you because. It was so, again, so different from anything that would have typically been my wheelhouse. And even when we finally got to a point where we started talking on a consistent basis, I mean, it was like, even in our conversation, it was easy. It was smooth. Right. But it was like, you know, I, she would tell me, I've experienced all this in the past, and I don't want this to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, yeah, I experienced all this in the past, and I don't want it to be that way. Um, interestingly enough, one of the common things that we had, Back way back in high school was we both wanted to move to Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I don't know if that has something to do with it. I, I don't know, but it's like uh, life trajectory was kind of going to. Yeah, life trajectory well. was kind of going in the same place. And so, um, if I could tell you, you know, it was was it a pit something in the pit of my stomach in the beginning? No, it wasn't nothing in the pit of my stomach in the beginning. But it was something that intrigued me enough to hang around long enough for something to, to the you, re- you know realize, what I'm saying? And I think yeah. that's why when I talk to you a lot of times, I'm like, what about you know? And you'd be like, well, nah, I ain't feeling it. And I'm like, you know, you got to be there. To you got to be there to feel it. You got to be there to feel it. And so, huh? You say you disagree. Yeah, I don't really disagree. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so you got to be there to feel it. And for so, the sake of argument. Oh, for the sake of argument. So we won't agree. But, um, you know, for for a lot of people, it's love, love at first sight. But mm-hmm. love at first sight, I mean, is is visual. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I give you visual, but visual fades. And so, if it's love at first first sight, right. And that's what you depend on then you know what that love is not going to last forever but if it's love or attraction mm-hmm. that that physical attraction draws you in and then there's some substance behind that physical attraction mm-hmm. i give you that but that's the moment of the connection it's not that first appearance right. um yeah i let that away are you sure yeah all right cool um where are we what is the proper what is a proper mm-hmm. and respectful way to treat a young lady I don't have an immediate answer. Give me a second. Stall. Stall. <laughs> yeah. What you got? I, well, I, mm, mm, mm. I'm from the South, uh-huh. right? And uh, we and we talked about this before, like on our relationships. I mean, first of all, I mean, I, I honestly believe that you should honor a young lady. Uh, I, I beg, I beg young ladies to honor themselves because if you honor yourselves, you'll find a man that will honor you. 
And and what that means is I'm always imploring upon you, my son, and other guys that young young men that I'm around or I have the opportunity to talk to, is that you got to be respectful for that young lady. You, you, I mean, don't let that like don't let the physical be the the thing that you're after because you'll ruin the relationship. And so um, my thing is, <laughs> it's funny, man. Full Force is one of my favorite groups, and they had this song called um, "Make Love to Our Mind," mm-hmm. and that's my thing. Make love to our mind, right? Get up there in the, on the intellectual level and stimulate her on the intellectual level. Um, and then treat her with respect. Uh, don't allow other people to disrespect her. Mm. Um, care for her um, whole being, her total being. I don't know if that's really getting to the answer that they want, how it was the proper and respectful way to treat a young lady. But it's like look at her as being a total, phys- a total being mm-hmm. and, 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 and be, want, want to be um, an aura around that or a protector of that total being is, is the best thing. All right. So I kind of took it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it said young lady, I just kind of took it as any young lady, not necessarily on a relationship level. No, that was any young lady I was talking about. Uh, well, okay. All right, good. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and every young lady. Yeah. Um, my thought was, like my overarching thought was, you want to respect her without disrespecting yourself? Is what my thought was. And so what that stands for for me was, I feel like, of course, you should be looking to treat every every young lady with respect. Um, but respect looks different to different people, I feel. I'm listening. And so I feel like you should be always be looking to show people respect, but you don't want to do things that are disrespectful to yourself in order to feel like you're showing respect to somebody else. Because I feel like some people, they'll have... What's the thing? Like what they're looking for, what they're asking for, isn't necessarily a good thing. Okay. It isn't necessarily something that suits. Mm-hmm. So when it's coming to just looking at a relationship for what it is, like any kind of relationship, neither party should be disrespected. And if something doesn't really fit for you and that's what it takes for that person to feel respected, then that relationship probably just doesn't fit for you. You might not need to be dealing with that person and on I, an and ongoing I, and, basis. And I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think I, I see where you, where, where you, you miss Mark. I agree with that. Um, like hmm, protection of womanhood. I just protection of womanhood mm-hmm. in general is what I'm all about. And so, do you go like I can think about when I was in college, um, and um, I, the bros, right? We, like I would tell them, like we 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 sat out in front of the girls' dormitory, uh-huh. the, the freshman girls' dormitory, and I would almost give them classes on look, bro, these right here. You need to make sure nobody else's vultures on them. You need to make sure if you need to walk them to class, if you need to do this, that, and the third, you know, then that's what you need to be about. Now, I, th- there's a flip side to that as well, but it wasn't for those people who were um, in a vulnerable state or, you know what I'm saying, who, 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 who and vulnerable sounds so, so, so barbaric, but. No, no, I didn't take it that way. All right, cool. So, yeah. So, so, so as a whole, these are, these are, these are young ladies and there are a lot of people out here that mean them harm. Y'all right. don't be one of them. Y'all be the ones that are keeping them off, keeping right. keeping those people at bay. And so that, yeah. So that that's it. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. I think that was cool. All right. Um. Okay. We'll do a few more. How do I propose marriage to a young lady? I don't know, dog. Depends on the person. Yeah, it depends on the person. Um. Person. It's not always about big showy stuff. It's about really like the biggest thing about proposals. I think. Is it showcases you? Is a chance to showcase that you know that person, and so when you're looking to propose, it should 
be like if they want something big then you can do something big for them if they're not someone that wants that you don't have to ask them in front of a bunch of people i feel like it show it's you do for that person not for yourself I'm about it. I'll, I'll let you have that because I will. I will. I will go so totally to, to, to the opposite. But where were you gonna go? You're right. You're, you're, you're right. So what were you gonna say? Make it huge? No, I was gonna say make it small. Make it intimate. Right. Make it between. Well, you. But but I, I, so so here's my problem. That's what I was gonna say because like some people, like maybe she wants to be intimate, just the two of you, and you pick that up from. I mean, if you're looking to marry this person, you should spend enough time to really know this person. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she's the type of person she wants to. Like be around her friends and family, and she wants people to like for it to feel like almost a community thing, mm-hmm. a community mm-hmm. witnessing your intimacy. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it just depends on the person. Get to know the person that you're looking to propose to, and that's what I give. I give you get to know the person because because here's here's why I went to where I went in my mind mm-hmm. because the one thing I'm seeing now that that is really disconcerting to me, and it's just disconcerting to me because I'm old. I'm old fashioned. I'm old head. Right. Like this, all, I mean, the the whole baby reveals and yeah, I mean, you know, everything showy. Yeah, everything showy, and it's almost like more energy is putting into showing it off than it is to the, to the actual act. Right. And um, yeah, it's more. It's more. And so like, it's like, oh wait, 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 wait I don't have the camera ready. And right. if I don't got the camera ready, you know what I'm saying? If I ain't live streaming, hold up, hold up, hold up. We need the That's live what I'm stream. It can be big without it being right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without it being inorganic or without it being real. Like, it doesn't have to be showy. It could be, like, a grand gesture, but mm-hmm. if it's a grand gesture for the people that are supposed to be a part of it, then that's cool. Right. Me, personally, I would prefer something intimate when it comes to the type of person that I'm dealing with. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. Y'all go scuba diving and you had a ring on a chain or something like that. Something you know like saying? that. Yeah. yeah. Something quaint for me. That'd be cool. It is based on the person at the end of the day. Uh... Why did you choose the career you chose? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Wow. You got a story for that one. I'll let you go. No, well, I'm they ain't asking them. me, but you go. All right, so. Um, what? I mean, let's talk about how you, I, but, how you ended up on the path that you were Right, because that's what I was going to say, because yeah. I don't think I ever chose a career. I, well, I will tell you, um, I had a plan coming out of high school. My plan coming out of high school when I decided that I was going to go to college, um, I, 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 my ma- I majored in marketing, and I had a plan for marketing, Um just based upon, you know, my thoughts and my energy and what I like to do. Um, but I never really broke into marketing. Um, I, so businesses, I was in, well, I mean, marketing from a sales perspective, I have done. Um, I did management mostly. Um, but everything that I've really done has actually lent itself to elevating the underdog. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so... I think if I look at how I chose my career, I do think it chose me from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of jobs um, that allowed me to execute what my, my, my gifting area is, it, which is elevating the underdog. But um, I've never really looked at it from trying to get in a career that would do that. Um, it was always to be authentic, always to be in a position to make money or make a living doing what I loved or what I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And um and that's what I've been able to do, even even to the point of creating my company and then creating a nonprofit that allowed me to continue to do that. So I would the worst I suggest, but I would say if you could offer this request, if you could offer this, because I feel like it's a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um it definitely gave me some sort of insight when I was younger, the application story. Application story. Remember with the dudes that came in with the application. Oh yeah, yeah. I felt like that was a really big moment. So, so yeah. So when I was in when I was in um, college, uh, it, I um, 
I used to work at Lowe's, and it, I shouldn't have said the name of the store, but that's okay. Y'all got it now. So I was working at this <laughs> store, and and I, the one thing I would notice is I, for some reason, I mean, I, I guess I've been blessed to be in the right places to get the right kind of training, but mm-hmm. I would notice young African-American men that would come in the store, and they would come in looking for a job, but they would, like, come A, come in bunches, mm-hmm. or and or they'd come in bunches, and they would not have the right utensils to complete the application. Um, they wouldn't know how to complete their application. And so, so often I would see that once they brought their application and gave it back to the secretary, it would go from the from their hand to the secretary hand to the trash can. Right. You know, and 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 me being able to see that and me witnessing that really gave a, a hunger in me to help those individuals to know how to do better, to to know how to get through the door. Because to me, that was what the problem was. They didn't even know how to get through the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they knew they needed to make money. And so the way they make money is to get a job. But they didn't even know how to even approach looking for a job. And so I think that really did start me on my quest. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. Because I, I, right. from that point, I knew, like, in life, this is what I had to do. And even as far as I go a little further, um, when I started my first nonprofit and I was working um, for a a retail store. I ain't gonna tell you who it was. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but I was working for a retail store. I don't care. They're going out of business now. Kmart. I worked at Kmart, <laughs> and um, it was in, in Sharonville, Ohio. And where I was in Sharonville, Ohio, it was a um, white collar n- neighborhood. But they didn't have a very high opinion of African Americans. And mm-hmm. so, if you're from Sharonville, I'm sorry, but that's how it was. And every, I mean, they would so often talk about African Americans and and how underprepared we were and how unkept we were and th- those kinds of things. But the, sa- the shame about it was when they came in the store, they would actually prove them right. And yeah. that really just got me. And so one day it happened. And on cue, I was like, man, somebody ought to do something. And an, an audible voice just came in my head and said, yeah, you. And so that was like the moment I knew, man, this is my path. Right. And so I followed that path. Yes, that's the story. All that's right, a cool. good one. Cool, cool. Right, I was like, we can do two more. All right. Not get us about to a good place. All right. Spit about halfway. These are quick, easy ones. So the next one is, is it better to make more money or to be happy? Happy. Happy. I, yes. So I got I got a mantra that I carry with me all the time, mm-hmm. and is um, you got to decide whether you want to make uh, make a dollar or a difference. Mm-hmm. Make a dollar or a difference. And so um, I, I tend to shy away from people who choose to make a dollar mm-hmm. because um, it those— It says a lot about you. It says a lot about you. A dollar rule your life. And so um, I always say um, go for being happy because if you, if you go with being happy— You'll a work hard enough to make enough money, and b you'll find your niche and your stride quicker, right. and then you eventually start getting paid more for doing what you enjoy doing because mm-hmm. you're doing it so effortlessly. You know, I'm gonna make this question a little bit deeper than it was initially. Okay. Uh, because I was just watching the Dave Chappelle special a couple nights ago while I was um grinding. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but basically he was talking about. The guy, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he used to travel around the world, like meeting people and trying food. Mm-hmm. And the guy eventually ended up committing suicide. Oh, yeah. I just, um, dang. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Right. I know who you're talking about. And so he was talking about that um, and just that whole dude's experience and kind of looking at the people around him. And then he was talking about um, drawing a parallel to a guy that he knew because that um he basically the kid came up out the hood he was really smart he went to an ivy league school all of this um and Dave Chappelle ended up he walked into a footlocker 
uh, well, like 30 years, 40 years later and saw the dude and he was managing a footlocker. And he was basically like, how did he go from this Ivy League school on this path to whatever he's trying to achieve to ending up back where he started at and then being the manager there? And basically, he said he sat down, he was talking to the dude, and the dude was talking to, about his life. But at the end of that conversation, David Chappelle was like, but for some reason, it never occurred to this dude to kill himself. And this is, well, at least kind of what I took away from that. Mm -hmm. One of my takeaways is I feel like a lot of times society places dollar as this like high achieving thing, this thing that's supposed to bring the happiness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times what happens to people that actually gain that type of that success or that type of wealth, they get there and this thing that they've been thinking their whole lives that they've been pushing for and striving for, what they thought would fill the void for them ends up not being the answer. And that was that's kind of what drives you down that darker path. I've been spending my whole life focusing on this, thinking this was the answer to it all. Money was what I needed, and it turns out that's not what I need at all, and now I'm lost. And so, from that perspective, I think it's definitely, it's definitely a hundred percent better to go for your own happiness because money doesn't get, make you happy. All right, I'm cool. Yes, with that. I'm cool with that. All right, you want you want to kill it right there? Or you want to? I was gonna do the last one. All right, cool. Unless you don't want to do the last one. Uh, you already done mentioned it now, so. All right. I mean, I can cut it. No? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where we're at. Now. How do I go about making a car or home purchase? How do I go about making a car or home purchase? I can talk about car. You can talk about home. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you. Go ahead. I'll let you go first. Oh, what were you just going to say? No, no. Go ahead. Um, about a car purchase. I would assume, since you're asking about how to make a car purchase, that you're, this is going to be closer to your first car purchase than later down the line. I would say... At least something I did, I got a pre-owned car or a used car because getting a used car is a great way of avoiding debt. And debt is the devil. Debt sucks. Debt will kill you. Um, But basically, cars depreciate in value, so it doesn't really make sense, especially if you're starting off financially, to create this bill for yourself on something that you're not going to get a a benefit from Um, at the end selling-wise. So cars depreciate in value, whereas houses appreciate in value. Supposed to, anyway. Yeah, they're supposed to. But um, so I would say a, a big thing is look at getting a used car. And used doesn't have to mean bad, because I got a used car. My car was banger. Yeah, it was. All the people like the, the, the honeys like the car, bro. Whatever. The honeys like the car. This could be a female, man. I mean. I'm sorry. Dudes like cars, too. All right, cool. Whatever. Yeah. Save your money, because at the end of the day, it's what you drive up to, not what you drive up in. See. That. See, and you, what you did was just took my thing, man. Because I was you gonna, gonna say, say that? that. Yes, I was. So we good. I mean, the houses. All right. Well, no. I mean, so, oh yeah, we're good. Yeah. So, so that's funny because I was gonna say my my mentor always said it's not what you drive, it's what you drive up to that matters. Right. And so that was he just took my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> that was your drop the mic moment. My drop the mic moment. Um, and and but you're absolutely right. Um, from a house perspective. Um, your house is going to be that thing that's um, typically going to appreciate in value. It's going to right. appreciate in value. Um, I'll tell you a piece of advice that I got when I um, I bought I, I, we bought our third home, not even our first home, our third home. Um, it was it was good advice for the time, but it kind of didn't go the way we planned. Right. Uh, our realtor told us about the most house that we can afford. Um, but the reason why our realtor told us about the most house that we could afford, and I, I'll, I'll give you this as a caveat, is because on average. Um, the growth market for houses in our area was exponential. It was like 14% per year. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the first six months in our house, 
um, we probably had appreciated about $50,000 um, in value in our house. And so um, the, the problem was that nobody could predict was the market crashed. And right. so the bottom fell out. But what the realtor was telling us was that you this this is going to be a solid investment for you. Mm-hmm. And so if you go ahead and buy as much as you can afford, what's going to happen when you get ready to resell it, you're going to be, might be able to make maximum dollar. And so um, that that was interesting. I mean, and it actually ended up working out because of um, current times, but that's another story. Right. But what it just I will took say, a minute to wrap back around. Yeah, it took a minute to wrap back around. But what I will say is um, make sure that you're buying, making a sound investment. Make sure um, you, you, you get... Not the house that you need today, but the house you need tomorrow. Right. I'll say that because, I mean, typically you're not going to get in and out of a house that you buy right. in five kind of a, years. A long lasting. Yeah. Thing. And so, unless you get into it for investment, to, you know, to turn it over, to turn it over, um, make sure that you get something that, like, say, for instance, if you're newly married and you plan on having kids, mm-hmm. don't get a one bedroom because right. you're going to need another something bedroom. You or, you know, you're going to want somebody to come and visit and you don't want to put them on a, on, a, on, a, on a sofa. And so, you want to make sure you do that. You want to make sure that when you're looking at buying a house, you check out the neighborhoods, make sure what the schools look like even if you don't have kids, because when you get ready to resell it, you want to make sure that you'll be able to resell it in an right. area, a good area for somebody who may come who has kids, that kind of thing. Crime, you want to look at crime and see what crime looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kinds of things you want to look at, because buying a house is a huge investment. Right. Um, I will tell you, the, the house that we had, the, the, the last house we, we had it built, and I even, from the placement of the plugs to the placement of the um, TV jacks or the, um, the, the cable jacks, um, the ceiling fan, all of that stuff, I took into account not what I wanted because I I'm, I was good with it either way. But I took in, I, I thought about like if somebody was going to buy my house, where would they like this best? Right. And so I looked at it from that perspective because again, even though you're talking about you're buying a house, it's still an investment. Right. It's an investment that you're going to be paying on for a long time, and so you want to make sure that when you get ready to realize the gain on your investment, you maximize the gain on your investment. So that'll be what I say about buying a house. Look in the first time home buyer programs. Um, to make sure that you can get as much um, as you can toward the purchase of the home. So those are kinds of things for a home, buying a home. I'm going to echo what you said about the car, though. I mean, I, to me, it makes absolutely no sense to start out the block. Don't buy a house to buy, impress people. Yeah, don't, a house or a car? A house. Okay, don't buy a house to impress people. Yeah, no, nah, okay. I mean, if it's a good investment, why well, I'm not? I'm saying, yeah, but like, don't be like, oh, I'm, this going to cost a lot. You know, I want a pool. I'm going to throw a pool, nah, like, all that type of nah, stuff. Nah, man. Like, if I you mean, can't you know, afford it, then... And, and yeah, pools, man, really do your research on pools too. Cause I mean, like, most people, yeah, most people, it costs more to keep up a pool that people don't even swim in them that much, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, it, oh, what I, but, but the car, what I was gonna say about the car is um, don't, don't, don't overextend yourself for a car. The one thing about you was, I mean, when you wanted a car, we asked you how much money you got to spend on a car. Oh, yeah. And so my goal as father was to look at what he had to spend on a car and then find the best car that was in the best shape. For his money. And we found, I mean, one owner car was what we've looked for because that means that that person could tell you the history on that car. And so those are the kind of things. Because I used to sell cars too. And yeah. that's like, I, I, the owner of a dealership that I worked at, he would tell you, like, if you buy an as is car of a car lot, he says, it's, it's, it's what, uh, 50 seconds or 50 feet, <laughs> whichever comes first. 50 seconds or 50 feet, whichever comes first. He said, if you drive the car of the lot and they break into two halves, you own two halves. I mean, you know, I mean, breaking a half, breaking half, you own two halves. And so, like, um, when you buying a car from a dealership, you're going to have to eat up all of the overhead and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so, and the other thing is you got to look at, for real, for real, like, I'm not a big, I'm a big lease guy, and I'm trying to cut this real short. I'm not a big lease guy, but our, our, our mentality 
as consumers are lease mentalities, mm-hmm. right? And so we get these cars and we get in these six, seven, eight year loans Especially on cars. Now, so, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And we don't want the car beyond two years. Mm-hmm. And so you need to look at the fact that if you don't plan on being in a car for a long period of time, you don't want to start soaking a lot of money into it because they depreciate very quickly. Yes. Um, I think those were some great answers, sir. Thank you. That's the type of stuff that they don't tell us because they think we don't need to know it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I know it's a big long. We're gonna we're gonna come back next week with some more. But yeah, bum podcast, bum podcast between you and me, between you and me, holla, holla. <laughs>